The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before Jesus, saying, Lord, help me. Jesus answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Did he just say that, that racial slur? It's time to take a stand, to take him aside and teach him that hateful comments coming from such a prominent leader reinforce prejudice, to remind him that from our faith perspective, we will no longer allow statements to demean a person of another race or gender or religion. Did he just say that? Did Jesus just say that in our gospel? Did Jesus just call the Canaanite woman a dog? Even before our Lord makes this derogatory comment, it seems like he is ignoring her. The disciples want to send her away. Is it because she's a woman? Is it because she's shouting and making a scene? Is it because she's of another race? A Canaanite, a foreigner, a Gentile? Dear people of God, what shall we do with this conundrum in the Bible this morning? One traditional answer, well, the traditional answer is, Jesus really didn't mean it. He didn't mean to demean the Gentile woman. He was just testing her faith. But whether we're dealing with the earthly Jesus walking on this earth, or the situation when Jesus, when Matthew wrote the gospel, there is a more challenging, thought-provoking approach. Could it be that the human Jesus learned something from this assertive, demanding, even pushy woman? Could Jesus' insensitive comment show how he like us, 
inherited a worldview with certain assumptions about privilege. Most of us are more comfortable hanging with people who think and vote, act and worship like we do. Remember that the Messiah was expected to come and redeem Israel. To Matthew's listeners, Jesus comments about the scope of his mission to the Jews are what they would have expected. But what's different is that Jesus ventures beyond the normal boundaries. He's on her turf. And her people were considered pagan and godless. Yet from such an unexpected source comes some learning. Some learning for Jesus and some learning for us. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Everyone, everyone is worthy of dignity and respect. So how can it be that we've come so far, yet issues of diversity and difference still torment us as a people, as a nation, as a church? Perhaps some things never change, like, like human sin, like divisiveness, like tribalism. Last year, activist and author Adrian Marie Brown remarked that racist realities in America are not getting worse. They're just getting uncovered. And we must hold each other tight and continue to pull back the veil. At a staff retreat several days ago, we watched the documentary, I Am Not Your Negro. In it, the movie looked back on the state of our troubled country 50 years ago through interviews and other writings of the African-American activist James Baldwin. To see those placards with hateful epithets and then to remember and think about what we saw in Charlottesville was chilling. And one quote by Baldwin stood out for us. Not everything that can be faced can be changed. But nothing can be changed that is not faced. It's been clear this past week for all of us. This is not a time for nuanced positions. White supremacy and all forms of hate must be condemned. So in some ways, the texts today, well, they're preaching to the choir in many ways, and they're a rallying cry for our congregation, one that treasures diversity and radical welcome. The Isaiah text mentions foreigners and outcasts and insists that God's house of prayer must be a house of prayer for all people. And that means all. So how do we relate to Jews and Muslims and people of other faiths or people of no faith 
How do we hear these words amid new waves of hateful, anti-Semitic, Islamophobic, and xenophobic rhetoric? Now, it's easy for us to say, well, we're not like those extremists who marched in Charlottesville and then missed the waves that we are part of systems that are racist and sexist. But have you noticed that it seems everybody has something to say these days, whether on Facebook or whether pundits or whether on the street or whether being interviewed. We're bombarded by thousands of words of opinions and words. Did he just say that? Did she just post that? It's so easy for us to spend all our energy reacting to the stupid things that many people are saying instead of listening to the voices of those on the margins, the very people who are the victims of hate. And how easy it is for all of us to fight hate with hate and to become the very thing we detest. More than ever, we need, again, the effective use of nonviolence by MLK, Mandela, and Gandhi. As one Lutheran theologian notes, the story of God sharing our human story is always wrapped in economic realities, political histories, religious struggles, and formidable social boundaries. During this Reformation 500 year, I've given all three of your pastors a challenge. Each week, to find some nugget of wisdom from Martin Luther or from our Lutheran heritage. So here's mine for this week. In 1993, our denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, released a social statement on race, ethnicity, and culture. It calls racism a sin that fractures both church and society. But what you may not know is this year, there is a proposed statement called Faith, Sexism, and Justice. It's being studied by one of our Bible studies on Wednesday morning here. And the Lutheran principle always begins with God's gracious action. On our own, we will not be able to save the world. On our own, we will not be able to bring healing to our tormented times. Yet because God creates us in the divine image, see how this begins? We respond. We are free to respond to those facing injustice. Jesus listens and Jesus learns from an assertive woman of a different race and religion. Did she just say that? Even the dogs eat the crumbs under the table. So what about today? As we consider is issues of sexism and gender, we listen and we learn from the voices of women and girls 
who experience physical and sexual abuse at tragically high rates. We listen and learn from girls who face economic disparities in income and opportunities. We listen and learn from people who are not born fitting easily into categories of male and female, who may be intersex or transgender. So we listen and learn from a young lesbian who faces guys at school teasing, you're too cute to be a lesbian. We listen and learn from a woman who had been raped as a teenager and still struggles with the predominant male images of God in the Bible. And when we listen and learn from one another in this community, in our own families, and in our own relationships, for every one of us has life stories that are complicated and complex, always carrying some kind of pain and contradiction for all of us in what it means to be human. And yet we trust that like the Canaanite woman's daughter, there will be healing for us. There will be healing for our city. There will be healing for our country. There will be healing for our world. There will be healing for our earth. And so today we come to be anointed with oil for healing. We come to this table not with crumbs under it for some, but with bread and wine for all. Holding each other tight, holding each other tight, and ready to face the future together. Amen.